When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Welcome in to the Belly Up Sports NASCAR Super Show. It is race season, and we're here today to get you ready, not just for tonight, but also all of the 2024 NASCAR season. Tonight's Belly Up Sports NASCAR Super Show is presented by SeatGeek. If you need a ticket, there is no better place to go than SeatGeek.com. And if you use the promo code BELLYUPSPORTS, you're going to get $20 off your very first purchase. Uh, so check that out. SeatGeek.com, promo code BELLYUPSPORTS, uh, and that gets you $20 off your very first purchase. I would like to welcome everyone into the NASCAR season because... Just, uh, what, an hour or two ago, we got word that the clash is being moved to tonight at 8 p.m. as opposed to to, to tomorrow night uh, due to rain and storms coming into town. And uh, we are already planning on coming to you tonight and talking to you. We moved up a couple hours uh, just to make sure we get it in before the clash. And I'm Vince Stover, host of the Sports Stove podcast, and uh, we'll be doing a NASCAR segment every Wednesday night. Uh, this season, looking forward to that. I am joined by two wonderful racing extraordinaires. Uh, the NASCAR yeah, I don't know if I call myself that. From <laughs> He's Caleb McChesney. How you doing, Caleb? Great. Excited to talk about some racing. It was a, it was a short but long off season. I'm ready for my second year of it. And we're also joined by the host of the Rambling About Racing podcast uh, on the Belly Up Sports Network, the one and only Matt Beamer. How you doing, Matt? Good evening, and it is race season, a bit earlier than we expected here, but all that being aside, cars are going to be on the track tonight for some good racing there from the L.A. Coliseum. Thanks for having me tonight, and, and looking forward to the 2024 NASCAR season. Yeah, I saw Jeff Gluck tweeted earlier today, why can't we be racing today? And then he had an update, he said, update, we are. So, so we're ready to go today from yep. L.A., and that's where we're going to start off is the Clash um, I, I want to start off, first of all, with your feelings about the clash, because it seems like race fans have mixed emotions about this, specifically at the Coliseum, I guess, probably more than anything else as far as the locations, more the issue they have with it. Uh, but some people absolutely love it. So, Matt, let's start with you. Uh, overall feelings about the clash, the event in general. Overall, the event in general, I, I, I see the point of trying to branch out into different marketplaces as far as what NASCAR did in the LA Coliseum. It was good for the first year. The second year was all right. I think the third year is getting redundant. I think if you're a newer fan, and I hate Caleb, I hate to kind of use you as an example. This being No, go for it. Go for it. This is all you know 
as far as preseason for NASCAR, whereas older fans like myself and those in the 80s and 90s know this this used to be what was called the Budweiser shootout at Daytona. All the previous pole reward winners and champions and past winners of that event would race in there, and that would really kick off Speed Weeks there at Daytona. So I feel like taking it away from Daytona and Speed Weeks in general it kind of hurt the sport in a sense. Will it be there next year? I shudder to make a prediction because I said it wouldn't be here this year. But overall, it's not bad, though. I mean, I think right now what NASCAR is doing, pushing the race to today, vice tomorrow, takes away a lot of the drivers' championships or chances of racing in there. And we'll get more into that as we go on. But overall, it's all right, but it's not my cup of tea. I'd much rather see the clash at the Daytona International Speedway. Yeah, and that's a great point, Matt, as we transition to Caleb. You know, I, I was into racing in high school and, and early adult life, all that kind of stuff. I took kind of like an eight-year hiatus and uh, came back really last year, started paying attention again last year. And uh, and so there are some things that I look and go, I liked it better the way it was, you know, way back in the, the good old days. And then uh, and there's other things that I like about it new. Caleb, the clash, what's your general feelings on those? So um, I'm in a unique spot because I didn't watch the Clash last year. The first race I watched was the Daytona 500. I didn't know the Clash existed until a couple months ago. Um, so I guess that that goes to show just how awesome the Clash is. But I do have um, a guest who couldn't make it tonight. I have his notes on it. Um, Chris Prince, the racing head up here. And uh, he wrote, my feelings on the clash are mixed. On one hand, I'm super happy NASCAR season is back. On the other hand, I'm kind of sick of the clash being in L.A. I listened to Denny Hamlin's podcast on the other day. He was talking with Jeff about how he felt the excitement has been kind of drained now in year three. Plus, other than playing bumper cars, the racing isn't super competitive. Even though the many cars are in a bullring type of track is cool. And as much as this pains me, I kind of have to agree with Denny. Uh, it was cool the first year, but I think it might be time to switch it back up again. Um, as far as different ideas go, I have no idea about other ideas. I don't know. Like I've I've seen the speed weeks that you guys are talking about. I saw clips on YouTube or whatever when you know channels are describing what used to be the thing and what is now the thing. Um, but no, I I probably wouldn't have had any interest in watching the uh, the clash if I was like brand spanking new to the sport and then seeing just how bad people talk about that race because it's just super uncompetitive and there's not a whole lot going on, but it is, it is a glorified marketing event. I get why they do it because they want to pitch out to fans, especially in an area where they might not exist like LA. That could be a hard sell sometimes for a uh, new NASCAR fans, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't see the hype with it. I get that it's the first race of the year, but it doesn't even count. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> right. And a caveat on, on everything that you guys are saying, just one more thing. Before NASCAR decided to cut back on the testing in January, there used to be Daytona testing where the cars were just gray with the numbers and like 15A or whatever it was. And they were just testing cars, getting ready for that particular season. I miss that. And because it's one of those things where – like Vance said, the nostalgia of it is there, but that really kicked off speed weeks. And now we don't have that anymore. Now we just have, let's hit the ground running with the clash. Oh, let's have it in LA since, oh, Fontana's under construction right now. I, take it as you want, but either way, NASCAR is back. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it is. Um, I don't know that it accomplishes at this point its original purpose. Um, you know, you you introduce kind of to a degree a, a new area in LA and you kind of get a different feel. I mean, they had the concerts that didn't really line up with what your traditional NASCAR fan would be into and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't know that it's pulling in a ton of new people. I think yeah, it, when your ice, when your headlines ice cube, the first year, it's like, <laughs> what the crap is this? Nothing yeah. against ice cube. Great artist does great in this industry. I don't want to watch ice cube race or sing and dance. I want to watch racers race and NASCAR race. Yeah. But that's, that's just- that's what I find. I get excited about the fact that you're seeing the haulers pull in. You're seeing the cars unloaded. You're seeing the guys that you're cheering for. It's it's all back, and it, it, it does build. I mean, it's like preseason football. No one loves preseason football, but everyone's excited when preseason starts. And so the same is true in NASCAR as well. Uh, Chris Prince checking in as well as he is uh, the head of the Belly Up Sports Racing Department. Uh, planned to be with us tonight, but the schedule change um nixed them uh but we're gonna get him we're gonna get him on uh the sports stove podcast throughout the year as well and looking forward to all his stuff that he does for us as well uh listen this is gonna be a good night because there is some sort of racing and uh and you know as we've been joking about for the last couple hours you know it wouldn't be the nascar season without rain um and it affecting the schedule and those sorts of things of course as well um but like you said matt uh we are racing that's a good thing uh, we're getting a lot of movie lines dropping here early on in the program from the comment section, which we absolutely love as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in uh, tonight here on uh, Belly Up Sports YouTube page as well as the Belly Up Facebook page. And after the show, you can find the complete audio of the program also on Belly Up and Friends, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, and everywhere else as well. Uh, let's get into some off-season news before we look more into the racers themselves uh, and the tracks and things like that. Earlier, um, of course, the TV deal was announced, a seven-year deal that keeps NBC and Fox as the primary uh, TV uh, outlets. Uh, NBC gets 14, Fox gets 14. Then we see Amazon Prime jump in there getting five and TNT getting five as well. Lots of new stuff going on and, and uh, things going on both with the Xfinity series as well as with the qualifyings and all that kind of stuff happening. Uh, one of the things that I always yell at sports about is if you want to be seen, you got to you got to be available to be seen. And uh, NASCAR, I think, is doing the right thing here. Of course, they're making money, which is good for them. Um, and they're putting it out in places, for the most part, where everybody can see it as well. Matt, again, we'll start with you on the TV deal and what this means for the future uh, of NASCAR. I think that you, you hit the nail on the head. The trend is going to, to the point where everybody's going to be on a streaming platform, whether it be peacock whether it be you see basketball on peacock you see football on peacock but you also see it on other streaming services so it isn't necessarily in the prime market i think prime has some stuff out there such as the foot has a football and stuff like that yeah but you don't really see auto racing you see auto racing as far as indycar on peacock but you don't see anything else to my knowledge but this is going to help out NASCAR while keeping it on the big two channels, NBC and Fox, but it's also going to reach out a little. I remember back in the early 2000s when it was on TNT, NASCAR and TNT with Alan Bestwick at the helm calling the races, which were the most memorable time as me as a NASCAR fan in that position. It's going to be interesting to see. Hopefully it does draw in more people. Hopefully that equals more fans, more fans in the stands and experiencing NASCAR for the first time. But hopefully they do a good job presenting it. It isn't dry, and they they don't 
what's the word? They don't expect to create or try to create drama. It just naturally organically happens. So yeah. I'm looking forward to it. It should be interesting to see what everybody else thinks of that throughout. I think this is going to be a good test here and they're going to be fine tuning in on the off season before the 2025 season, but it should be interesting to see nonetheless. Caleb, your thoughts, TV deal. Um, Yeah. So at first it, it looked a little strange because, uh, you know, NASCAR's fan base, obviously um, a little older. They don't really love change. They don't really like figuring out which app they got to download and which service they got to subscribe to, which email they got to put in. It can get a little hectic, but I do like the idea of um, of having it on streaming service and breaching out to things like Amazon Prime because one of the underrated, I think, aspects of Amazon Prime is if you think back to Thursday Night Football, when they moved to Prime, they've obviously broadca- broadcasted it on Twitch, on Twitch too, where it's, you know, um, you find iRacing fans on there plenty you find different racing video game stuff on there a lot lots of different content on twitch and um i think that it would be pretty cool to tap into that fan base a lot of the iRacing fan base if they're not nascar fans yet you're putting them on a platform where they're actively on they could look to kind of latch onto that and watch it that way um i i think that it's a it's a good initial first step into the um new generation of uh being on different apps and different streaming services and it doesn't really it does it's not taking away i don't think from cable all that much a lot of these um races that are in between the season as as no fist writes right there twitch is free it's a bonus it's a quick app to download but um where i just lost my train of thought um well it's in the middle of the year it's a lot of races that not a lot of people love um, it's a lot of races that can be kind of forgotten about. Like the example that I'll use right now is Loudon, my my backyard there. Um, it's pretty much at the middle of all races throughout the season. If you're better than Loudon, you're a good race. If you're worse than Loudon, you're a bad one. Um, it's a lot of those races in between that, that will be on the streaming services first. So any difficulty that they might have, they're, you, they're testing out on races that weren't getting a ton of viewership anyway. So... I don't know. Yeah. I'm excited for it. Um, Chris kind of, as he wrote to me here, he felt generally the same way. The older fan is going to have problems, but it does ultimately expose the sport to a lot of new people, which I think we all want. Yeah, it I, does. And I will say, I'm sorry, Vance. The only bad thing about Twitch is that you're, you're competing against, and I, I could say this from experience with iRacing, you're, you're competing against women in bikinis and hot tubs. You're not going to win that battle. <laughs> you're not going to win that at all. So Twitch might not be the platform for it. And I'm not saying it, it's going to Twitch. And I see the example you made there, or Kayla, but just saying, know your platform and know what you're competing against. I think NASCAR has done a really good job um, over the last couple of years of just getting, getting um, uh, people exposed to the sport again. Uh, the podcasting has really helped a lot with this, along with shows that we have at Belly Up Sports, like Chair Gaten at Ramblin' for Racing. Those kinds of things. I mean, you've got you got Denny Hamlin doing a podcast every week where he's giving you straight from his head what he's thinking, um, insight from the driver and insight from the owner at the same time. The Dale Jr. download's phenomenal. You get all this insight. You get the old history along with the new stuff and the things that are going on. And they just continue to add things, the door bumper clear, all these things that are going on. Jeff Gluck does a great job as well. I mean, there's just 
there's a lot of good, easy content right now uh, for NASCAR fans to get back into, to, to hear great insight from, and uh, and and to, to grow with the sport, I think, a little bit too. And the sport does continue to make, I think, some positive changes overall. Um, let's talk about the new body styles. Ford and Toyota come out. Uh, the Camry has not gotten a whole lot of publicity, but the Mustang sure has. Um, and the reason why is because the Mustang looks amazing. Um, at least that's my thoughts. Caleb, uh, the, the new Fords, the new Toyotas, what's your thoughts on the body styles? And, and, uh, does that, does that, does that, uh, do you care about it at all? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not the right guy to ask. I do not know my ass from my elbow when it comes to, um, what makes cars look good and what makes cars look bad. I kind of just look at it and says, Oh, that's okay. Oh, that's fine. Oh, that paint scheme's gross. I, I don't I don't know too much about it. So I'll defer I'll defer to my boss here. Um, he writes that he likes the look of both of them. They look edgy. Um, he thinks that it'll help for sure on the drafting tracks with those manufacturers. Um, although he thinks that they might see some early season struggles from those teams just due to the lack of track time that these cars have had. Um, as I'm I got it on the practice on the background. I see Austin Sindrick go around in a circle. I'm sure we'll be seeing that more than once. Um, but no, they, they look all right. They look decent. I, I don't really know what, what's too different about them. Like you'd have to like literally point it at me and like, Oh, that's different than where it was last year. Um, but no, I, it doesn't do a whole lot for me. If the car runs well and they're winning races, I mean, it's just as good as any other car, but no idea. Right, Couldn't tell yeah, you. Give us the breakdown. All right. They're there. I think all the teams, the Ford and Toyota teams going to these new body styles are kind of in at a disadvantage here right now because of the fact that you don't have the time like you did back in the early 2000s, the 90s, and the 80s to test these cars on track. The, the one time they had testing in race conditions was right after the checkered flag fell in the 2024 season. They put them on track to test them, and that was about all I heard about testing when it came to these new cars for Toyota and, Chef, and Ford. I'm sorry. So... I, to Caleb's point, to everybody's point out there, I think they're going to struggle. I think they're, they're going to take them a while. I think the powerhouses like the Hendricks are going to be hopefully far away, but then you got your teams like Joe Gibbs Racing, 2311 Racing, who are going to adapt well to these rule changes and find a way to be up there in competitive, maybe not winning, but competitive, consistent. The four teams, however, they they might find a way. Uh, they're not as powerful, I feel, as the Hendrick and the Joe Gibbs Racing, although Penske has won the championship in the past couple of years. Can they adapt to this body style and do well? I mean, to me, the looks of the car doesn't matter a thing. Can it produce good racing? Can it produce competitive racing? Not only for the drivers to enjoy, but for the fans to enjoy as well. Yeah. So I'm a Ford guy. And so for me, I love the look. First of all, I think, I think they look really just, just sharp. Um, not drastically different, of course, but they look sharp. That being said, I feel like it's going to go one of two ways. I think either they're either going to do what everybody's anticipating is, man, they're going to start off really slow because they got to adjust to everything and figure out everything with the new body style, or it's going to give them an advantage that maybe they didn't even know they were going to get. Um, but something's going to pop out that's that's going to shoot them to the top and make Chevy uh, play catch up a little bit. Uh, I think we would all lean towards the anticipation that Chevy's not going to have to catch up, but. I, I wouldn't be completely surprised if it goes the opposite way and all of a sudden you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, like Chevy's got to have to go change something fast. Right. 
I, I was just about to think that once you said something, because if Chevy does in fact have to play catch up here, then they're going to be complaining to NASCAR saying, why the hand we have a body style change. Yeah. It was the same way back when it was a template game. You push out the nose a quarter of an inch. It's like, well, you're giving them an advantage and not us and, and, and us by default, a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. So it would be interesting to see. You make a good point there. Well, and you know, Rick Hendrick, uh, he's got a way with words when it comes to NASCAR. So he'll find, he'll figure out a way if something does happen uh, to to get someone disqualified or uh, something something yeah. going on for sure. Uh, but I would be interested to see how the body styles affect things going into this year. Um, a few smaller changes as well. Qualifying uh, has changed slightly, I think, for the good. Um, now those guys who don't, who don't, uh, who qualify later, kind of at a, uh, an advantage, you get to this point now where you were having these issues where, yeah, the times are different, but it's because they were out earlier, they were out later, all those kinds of things. They're changing it now, uh, where basically one group is going to be setting the inside row. One group is setting the outside row. You still have your top 10 getting set the same, same way as it always has been. Um, but, uh, it kind of just evens out a little bit for the the qualifying times to where it just makes it, I think, more even for everyone at the end of the day. Um, And, you know, I don't know. I didn't hear a whole lot of people complain about this, but it did come up every now and then. Matt, um, any thoughts on the qualifying rule and pros, cons, anything like that? I don't like it 100%. Just let them qualify. Let them qualify the way they've always done it. We always try to change qualifying to make it more interesting. Ergo, let's try to be like Formula One. Stop that. Just let them qualify the way they always do it. If you're fast, you're going to be un- up to front. If you're not on top of your game, it doesn't matter if you're in the fir- second row on the inside or the last row or the last car in the race. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just let them qualify the u- way they used to. We'll see how it goes. I'm not a big fan of it, but at the same time, sometimes NASCAR makes these little itty-bitty changes that turn out to be a real big problem down the road. Caleb? Nope, I kind of ring ring the same. I'm pretty okay with the way it is now, but um, Chris uh, wrote he doesn't mind it because it was kind of difficult from time to time figuring out where your driver was going to place if he didn't advance. However, as Matt uh, eloquently put, NASCAR has changed or messed up things in qualifying rules a lot in recent years, so um, I almost don't even care as long as they keep it to a single-car format on the track. Um, I'm, I'm okay with with what they had last year uh i i guess we'll see what happens this year um i don't know it'll it'll be it'll be interesting for sure yeah matt you're kind of giving off a little get off my lawn vibes uh sometimes with the <laughs> with the tradition but i understand it at the same time um you know and change isn't always good progress is always good change isn't always good and uh it'll be interesting to see how it affects it and um you know Maybe in two or three years, they go back to the way they were. Um, yeah, one thing. Why change it in the first place? If you're just going to go back to the way it was it before, just like when they used to run all the cars on the track at the same time for knockout qualifying. And then big racks started happening. And people got mad because if you were the first car out, you were at a disadvantage. And if you were the last car out, you, you had the advantage. And then, oh, let's go back. And now let's have, oh, the top 10 qualify for pull. Just keep it the way it has always been. The only time it should be an issue is at Daytona for the 500. Then you have the duels that set the inside and the outside lane. Very good. Uh, stage breaks. Uh, last year, they tried to make some adjustments to that on the road courses. They decided to scrap it, go back to the way it was. Uh, stage breaks at every race. 
Do we like stage breaks uh, or do we dislike stage breaks, Caleb? I'm with it. I like stage breaks. I like the the reset after the stage. Everybody gets the points and it, you know, just kind of evens the playing field again. I like having the having the stage breaks. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I, I don't remember racing without them, so I'm at a disadvantage. I didn't really watch, so I can't really say I like that one better. But I, I'm I'm pretty okay with with the stage breaks and um, just resetting the the playing field after every stage. And I think it makes for a lot more uh, interesting and competitive racing, even if it puts guys who might be dominant all day at a disadvantage because one screw up on the restart and you could be toast. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm at a disadvantage because I don't remember a whole lot before. So yeah. it'll I, I'm I'm good with I'm good with the stage breaks for sure. I don't have too many qualms against them. It brings some excitement for the, the the person not at the racetrack. You're sitting on the couch Sunday afternoon, listening more than watching, and then you get down to those final three laps of the stage, and the you know the broadcaster's getting more excited, and there's there's something that you're looking for that's not a wreck uh, there at that point in the in the race. It can definitely bring some excitement to it. Matt, uh, stage breaks, pros or against? I, I it's a tough one to talk about. Because on the one hand, I want to say the stage breaks do take away from the race. I remember fuel mileage races. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much gone with that. NASCAR was on the right track when they took away stage racing or stage breaks for the road courses. They still handed out the points for the stop 10, but they kept it going. I liked that. For some reason, some guy up there in NASCAR said, this isn't working. It's like, come on, man. Quit playing games with my heart here. But that goes into the playoffs as well. I don't like I'm not necessarily a big fan of the playoffs. I'm I'm a fan of the season long champion just because Brian Blaney finished up front ahead of everybody and won the championship doesn't mean he deserved it. I think William Byron deserved this championship last year with how consistent he ran and how dominant he was and Kevin Harvick the same way in 2020. Yeah. Or Denny Hamlin, even at that point. But I, mean, I digress. Stage racing, to me, I mean, they were on the right track with getting them, taking them away at road course. We're keeping them, but not throwing the stage caution. I'm okay with stage racing. Don't throw the caution. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I So when I kind of took my hiatus was really when stage racing came in. And I just was kind of like, I don't, I don't like this. And I just started to lose interest uh, to a degree. I thought they were softening the sport <laughs> to a degree. Um, trying to make it fair for everybody. You know, there's a difference between fair and right sometimes. And uh, and I think what you're talking about with the playoffs, the way they are, and the stage breaks, it makes it for maybe more entertaining in some ways for some for some viewers. But ultimately, it kind of takes what's fair out. Uh, the guy who's running the best all day, things slow down for him, and you kind of have to reset things. And then same thing with the playoffs, like you mentioned as well. So, yeah, I'm 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 anti stage breaks. Um, stage racing is fine, like you said. I'm anti the breaks, uh, though. Overall, um, they also announced they're going to wet weather tires for all road courses and short tracks, uh, other than Bristol and Dover. Um, and uh, that should should add some excitement. I mean, it looks like we had some really good races last year uh, with those wet weather tires, and they're going to try a little bit more this year. Matt, your thoughts on those? I'm okay with that. The problem is last year, I think it was during Richmond, if I'm not mistaken, because I remember talking about this with Preston, my co-host of the show, and it was raining and they pulled the cars down pit road and they had the wet weather tires. They should be called sprinkle tires because they don't race (laughs) them in the rain 
on yeah. short tracks, they'll race them when it's misting and sprinkling, but they're sprinkle tires yeah. at short tracks like Richmond and Martinsville. Because, oh, heaven forbid, we throw t- rain tires on and cause a havoc like we saw, let's just say, Loudon a few years ago since Caleb's here on the show, where they wrecked going into turn one on the first lap, even though they didn't have rain tires on. But at the same time, if you're going to put rain tires on the cars, then use them during the rain. and Don't use them like, oh, the track's too wet. And it's like, well, then don't don't even just go back to the way it used to be and dry the track or wait till postpone the race till the next day. Yeah. Don't again, don't play games with my heart, NASCAR. Don't say you're going to do one thing. And we also remember Coda of, I think it was 2020, 2021, when it was just a disaster in the rain. So you got to be careful. It's a give and take here because they're not Formula One cars, they're stock cars. But I, I'd be interested in see what would have happened with the rain tires at Richmond. Yeah. But we never got to because it was too wet. Heaven <laughs> <Never> forbid. <laughs> Caleb, any thoughts on the, on the tire situation? Um, yeah, as as Matt said, racing in the rain in in wet conditions like like some of the examples he gave, it, it can be a disaster. Um, so I don't know. I don't I don't like the idea. I don't know what these tires are going to be like, what situations we'll see these tires in. Um, but honestly, I'd rather just like not run the risk. I think the Monday races we had last year were fine. The delayed races we had last year were were OK. Um uh, at, don't don't push it if you don't have to. Um, I, again, like I said, I don't I don't know what these sprinkle tires, as Matt put it, uh, would, are going to be seen. I don't know when that would when that would occur, when that would happen. But don't don't try to make this racing in the rain thing happen. It it, it it's too is too risky. I loved Chicago last year. We're gonna get to this in a few minutes. So I should, probably shouldn't jump too far ahead, but. I, I watched that race in Chicago, and I thought this is as much fun as I've had watching uh, um, a race in quite some time. And you see the uh, there was there were some accidents, obviously, that were just slipping and sliding, um, and they were fun. I I really enjoyed myself watching that Chicago race last year. Um, and so, if we can run more races while it's raining a little bit, I know the road courses are still going to have the uh, windshield wipers. And the lights, I believe, and then the the short courses will not. Um, so basically, the road courses are the only ones we're going to run with rain of any kind, probably. But um, at the same time, it's I like to see. I you know again, Hamlin's talked about this. Juniors talked about this. They need to figure out some stuff with these tires to be able to run and have more racing involved in the race uh, than than what has been in some of these some of these tracks uh, throughout the year. Uh, I want to remind people today's episode is presented by SeatGeek. Uh, again, any ticket that you need, you can get it at SeatGeek.com. If you use that promo code BellyUpSports, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's SeatGeek.com. Promo code BellyUpSports for $20 off your very first purchase um, right there. Chris chimes in again as a live fan. I can see the argument for wet weather tires, but definitely don't push it too much too soon for sure. Uh, let's get into some of these uh, tracks and things that we like coming into the season. We're going to get to the drivers here in just a few minutes, but I want to start with tracks that you are looking forward to races that get you excited beforehand, because Caleb mentioned it earlier. There's a, there's a stretch there where there's not a ton of exciting races. Um, but you know, I've, I found that NASCAR fans have uh, different tastes. Uh, some people like races that you go, why, why would you like that race? Um, but, but they do. And so, we got all got to have some favorite tracks. I know for me, 
I love the 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 Keystones, the Daytonas, Talladegas, Bristol's, um, but I re- and Charlotte, by the way. But I really liked Chicago last year. I'm looking forward to see how that one goes again this year. And Nashville, a uh, big fan of the Nashville race as well. Um, but I want to get your guys' feelings on it, Caleb. The the races you're looking forward to. Uh, yeah, Atlanta ranks really highly on my list, especially the the night Atlanta race. I think if that rain didn't go to uh, the red flag, the end at the like that was one of the better races of the year. Um, the Bristol night race obviously is a is a classic. Um, I love the Vegas races. I love both of them and uh, both the Kansas races. I, I'm a big fan of those. Generally, I'm I'm pretty huge on the 1.5 mile tracks for sure. Um, but All right, yeah. Man. That those would probably be those would probably be my top ones. Matt, what do you like? I know you've been you've been around a long time, so you've seen seen a lot of them. I like the Darlingtons, the old school tracks, the Martinsvilles, and I'm very fond of the Roval. What they what Charlotte did with the Roval, bringing that fall race that was going to go away, yeah. and bringing it back, and a lot of people had to let and let it grow on them. But the Roval race is by far one of the best road courses out there. It's it's far superior to me. Then it's Chicago land, Chicago. I almost said Chicago land. That shows it up. <laughs> age. They tore down a perfectly good track and said, let's build a racetrack in the heart of Chicago. I don't know why they did that NASCAR, <laughs> but I, I, I think those tracks. And of course, what you said, Vance, uh, Daytona's Talladega's always deliver for the edge of your seat. Is, is this lap going to be the lap or is it next lap? Or is it going to come down to the finish and no, and it's going to finish on the green. We'll just, See, but the Darlingtons, the, the, the tracks with history, the Char- Darlingtons, the Charlottes, and the Martinsville, of course, Bristol, those tracks are always fun to watch. And if, and if i talking about history here, Watkins Glen, not only NASCAR history, but Formula One history as well up there in the Finger Lakes area of New York. A beautiful place to go if you ever get a chance to go. Those tracks are the ones I'm looking forward to. But really, all of the tracks bring something unique to every race you go to, even the boring races, like people say Michigan, for some reason is a boring race. I didn't mind it. The Fontana before they're doing the whole reconfiguration. I enjoyed Fontana. Sonoma I could care less about, but I'm not a big road course guy. They're also bringing back, uh, I don't want to step on any toes, but the Brickyard 400. Um, yeah, that's another one where they tried a couple years and it's like, why go back and try to do something different? The, the road course is great for Formula One and Indy. Not so good for NASCAR. Keep the crown jewels in the crown and don't change them. Uh, Josh asked a great question. Josh, stay tuned. We're going to get to that in just a few minutes. Uh, we are not far away from that conversation about drivers, uh, especially for those that are newer to the sport or uh, want to try to kind of dive in. We, you know, there's fantasy NASCAR, all that stuff. We're getting there, I promise, really, really soon. Um, you mentioned the course that I don't care about, uh, Matt, is Michigan. For me, Michigan, I don't care at all about the Iowa race coming uh, this year. Uh, and Phoenix, I don't hate Phoenix, but it doesn't excite me either. I mean, the championship race does because it's the championship race. It shouldn't be the championship race. No. It shouldn't. No, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Uh, Caleb, what's the race that you don't care about? And one that you, well, not don't care about is the wrong word for it, but one that you're not as excited about. Ooh. Um, it's a tough one. Um, I always, I have a soft spot for New Hampshire, but I went last year. I'm sure it's not great if I, uh, didn't go, like if I just watched on TV, um, races, I don't care about. I, I liked all of them that I saw last year. Genuinely. Um, maybe the spring Atlanta race I thought was 
kind of gross. It was just kind of toddlers lining up at the end of recess in that straight line. Um, although the finish between Keselowski and Logano was pretty cool. Um, I think the, just as a general thing, I don't know if I'm just, if I'm stepping on the agenda at all when I say this, but the playoff format I think is can is really kind of weird because you have the three road courses and the three super speedways. I don't or two super speedways, whatever the the playoff schedule is. Um, I don't like having that kind of mess in in the playoffs. There, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of specialty courses and not a lot of things that oh hey anybody could win at. Like I remember if you guys watched that Netflix special uh, that uh, Denny Hamlin was a main character on. How much I loved that. Um, he's like yeah, there's like four or five really good road course drivers, and there are about ten who are okay, and then the rest of them. Uh, I don't love having three of those races in the playoffs. I think that's kind of gross. But that that'd probably be the one thing that I'm really not looking forward to. Um, I I might warm up to the street race in year two as long as the rain doesn't destroy it like it did last year. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you mentioned Sonoma already. Anything? Any other horse that you're just like, eh? If I have to spend a, a not that's going to sound wrong. Have to spend the afternoon with my family. Um, <laughs> if there's a race that I'm going to choose to miss to spend some time with the family, it's going to be this one. Circuit of the Americas. Yeah. It's too, It's built for that track in Austin. Beautiful track for Formula One. Yeah. Not so relevant to NASCAR. Now cut it in half and build a cutterway, and instead of making it three miles, make it a mile and a half or maybe a two-mile road course. Fine with that. It's just too big of a track for what it is. And now we bring in stage, stage breaks back with cautions. That's going to extend everything right there again nascar made a big mistake they they were on the right track and taking away stage cautions especially at road courses like circuit of the americas now bringing it back and then to what we piggybacked on phoenix for the championship race that that place shouldn't it's a it's an okay track full of some history but if you're going to have a race for the championship a lot of fans keep saying don't have it at phoenix and what does nascar keep doing Having it at Phoenix. <laughs> I don't know what else we could say here unless Dale Earnhardt Jr. says something because they tend to listen to that guy more so than anybody else. Yeah. Well, he has, though. Junior has. Hamlin has. I mean, Cluck, who covers the, you know, as good as anybody has said, no one likes it being there. And yet NASCAR still puts it there. And, uh, and there's really not a, an understanding for why. Chris adds in Pocono. I, I, I like the mile every trace, so. I mean, Matt Kinseth won a fuel mileage race there, what, 2015? And I was there for it, and I was expecting Logano to win. And then you're hearing Kinseth over the radio saying, oh, we finally won one of these things on fuel mileage. <laughs> Those fuel mileage races are awesome. Yeah. I, I liked Pocono last year outside of the end when, uh, when when Bowman got spun. I think I got mad. <laughs> and then when uh, when uh, Hamlin took the lead at the end, then I'm like, all right, time to go. Time to go for a drive. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but see, I mean, I I like the I Pocono is one of my favorite tracks, and it because it was so much fun having the opportunity to go there. We were actually my Preston and I were on their podcast when they were big into it and brought us on, and it was nice to us to talk. They actually gave us tickets. We have yet to see those tickets. <laughs> it's, it's okay, but, but they they were it's such a good track, a lot of history there, and it, it it's oh man, it's so different and unique. Yeah. It isn't the oval; it's a triangle. Right. But IndyCar is on there. IndyCar needs to go back to Pocono. That was a beautiful race, except you know all the crashes. 
Yeah. <laughs> all right. Let's get into drivers because that's really what everyone wants to talk about predictions and all that good stuff. Um, let's start with this because Josh asked the question uh, just a few minutes ago. He said, I don't hardly know anything about NASCAR. Who should I be a fan of as a new uh, in parentheses fan? So what I want to do, how I want to answer this question is I want to know who you're a fan of, who you, who you cheer for, uh, and then why, like how you got into cheering for that driver or drivers. Um, and then also let me know, does manufacturer matter for you? All right. So Matt, let's start with you. Um, who your favorite driver is, how you got uh, to, to cheer for that driver and does manufacturer matter for you? All right. Manufacturer does not matter for me. I like Dodge and they're not in NASCAR anymore. They need to come Tough back. Break. <laughs> if, yeah, if I had to pick any drive, any manufacturer would be Ford, but not, ne not necessarily a Ford driver. Cause I'm a Ross Chastain fan. He drives a Chevy, but I'm also a Brad Kozlowski fan. He drives a Ford. But I'm also a Denny Hamlin fan. He drives a Toyota. It, yeah. So, so manufacturers out the window. I think what it comes down to is driver's personality. Kozlowski, every time he wins, he does a burnout with the American flag. Just a genuine guy. Always supports the military. And being a military vet, that's really neat to see that drivers do that. And, of course, every driver is going to say, I support the troops. But Kozlowski is the only one who does a burnout with the American flag, which is really neat. Hamlin's just no filter. I'm going to race you. And move chase elliott out of the way and, and a disclaimer if nascar's most popular drivers a chase elliott or dale jr i automatically pull against them mm. just because i don't care about jumping on the bandwagon but man I, it's tough to say you could always say well i like the i like chastain's aggressiveness on track and before he started getting a bunch of talking to's he was the aggressive guy he didn't care he'd drive right through you but unless your name's dale earnhardt no one likes that mm. for some reason or another. But if it was Dale Earnhardt and a black number three, oh, that's expecting, and that's good hard racing. Give me a break. Chastain did the same thing and got chastised for it. But I really, what I think when it comes down to being a new fan, yeah, I mean, Alex Bowman's a great driver, and you're like, you should cheer for Alex Bowman or you should cheer for Chase Elliott. Really, just go to the race and enjoy the, the sport first. Mm. And then you'll start to develop a, an idea of, who who you want to pull for and, and who you want to root for. Cause sometimes it might be the most hated driver in NASCAR, the Denny Hamlins who just get booed relentlessly every time he gets introduced or wins. But then you might find, you're going to find something you like about everybody. Cause every one of those drivers has a story coming up through the ranks and, and putting themselves in that position. But then you also look back at the older generation. I'm a, I, if, Davy Allison would have rewritten the history books. I love watching races about Davy Allison and documentaries about Davy Allison and all the Allison. Kale Yarbrough, may he rest in peace. We lost a legend at the end of this past year. But Kale Yarbrough, just his story and his tenacity. The, the Oh, my God. It's just so much. There's more outside of NASCAR than the Elliots and Earnhardts and the Petties. you got the Allisons who don't get talked about much the Hamlins, the Jimmy Johnsons. Hmm. I mean, nobody talks about Jimmy Johnson since he went away, and he won seven championships. Yeah. I, I mean, just the same as Earnhardt and Petty, but no one talks about Jimmy Johnson hardly. So I would say just become a fan and just learn the sport. You know, learn what the pit stops mean. What does it mean two tires versus four tires? What are the different tracks? What's, you know, get a scanner. 
download the NASCAR app and pay the five bucks a month and listen to the drivers talk and listen to all that. Just become a fan of the sport. And then eventually you're going to discover whether it's your first race you watch and you say, Oh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won. That's going to be my driver. Because that's how I picked oh, I wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh. <laughs> that's how I picked Michael Walter for my first driver. That mm. was, uh, Michael Walter, I first saw him win the 2001 Daytona 500. It's like, all right, there's my guy. Never won a race. This is the first race in 400 starts. That, that's my guy. But then eventually he stops qualifying for races. And it's like, well, I got to pick someone else because then I'm just not cheering for anybody. But just understand the sport listen to podcasts watch the broadcast and 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 embrace the sport go to a race hear the cars go by you feel the cars go by you and and know that there's so much more talk to the people and say why do you like nascar because everybody's going to have something different it's a it's a great sport it isn't a football ball and stick sports it isn't hockey it's just its own thing where you know that those if those when what, regardless of the series, Formula One, Indy, NASCAR, the, the the time they step into the vehicle, that might be their last time right. ever stepping into a vehicle. Yeah. I mean, prime example, he didn't die, but Kurt Busch, wrecked and qualifying, done. Yeah. So it, it, enjoy the sport for what it is and try not to make anything out of it that it isn't. I mean, you're going to hear people like me and Svance and chair, chair gaining and blind spotting NASCAR podcast talk complain but that's what we do <laughs> with anything <laughs> just enjoy the sport is it josh yeah it's josh right there enjoy the sport for what it is and i know i've been rambling on for a bit but it, it, because i mean it's a it, it is truly an a unique sport that does take a while to understand and caleb's going to understand it more now right because it's a, it is his second season it's like oh i know the schedule I know this. I know that. I know the tracks they're going to go. I know the players. So just enjoy the sport at first and then pick a driver, I would say. And I know it's promoting someone on a different network, but uh, that's what I love about the Dale Jr. Download, um, their midweek interview. When they bring guys, he brings guys on from way before my time, and uh, and they just tell stories, and they just share about the history of the sport, and you learn so much from that. And those are guys who are passionate about it, um, which makes a big difference. Um, as well, Caleb, favorite driver, um, how you became a fan, and uh, does manufacturer matter? All right, um, for me, manufacturer didn't really play a role in uh, my my choice. Uh, I think I mean my dad and my grandpa have been Chevy people since they're car they're more car people than i am they probably would have been able to tell the difference between the car last year and the car this year and i didn't um probably my dad's single my dad's single biggest disappointment um but no my story is a little different uh so my professor here at unh travels down to um daytona every year for uh he's for for the 500 he's been doing it for like 23 years now um and me and him have become close and i watched it because he's like oh he's there screw it let me just see what's up over here and uh immediately it was like oh my god this is actually like kind of awesome um as far as picking my favorite driver when i was a kid and i watched passively background you know i watched for two seconds then go on to something else uh jeff gordon was my favorite that shiny red uh 24 car with the flames and uh so hendrick was gonna be was gonna be the spot and i knew that because i wanted to still be tied to jeff gordon somehow some way and my professor recommended that I read up on Alex Bowman and watch him and see 
his kind of mannerisms and his kind of vibe and uh it it clicked actually when i tell my friends who are way more nascar than than i was they're like oh my god bowman is such a fucking caleb pick so great <laughs> um so that worked obviously i'm repping the merchandise here yeah. finally got yeah. real merchandise as matt remembers the first uh stream i was on i had a basic bowman t-shirt and i had the free napa chase elliot hat that they give everybody when they go into the store and that's what i wore obviously a little more distinguished now that's right. um but Caleb's yeah, as far as as far as my advice to the new fans, it's right in line with with Matt's there. Watch the sport, yeah, talk yeah. with some people who are into it, see who their favorite drivers are, what got them into it. See if you can click on to anything. But watching the sport, number one, it, it is huge. You don't want to go into this blind and say, oh, well, I like the number two car because two is my favorite number. Get strapped with Austin Sindrick for the rest of your fandom. That I don't yeah. wish that on wish that on anybody. <laughs> um, so. For me, growing up, a manufacturer was everything. Um, you know, our family had a Ford. Our neighbors had a Chevy. We argued about it all the time. Whose truck was better? And uh, so when I started getting into racing, immediately I was drawn to Ford, was looking for Ford drivers, Dale Jarrett, those kinds of people back in the day. Um, and then Kenseth came along uh, as well. And and so kind of fell into that a little bit as well and things things of that nature. Well, when I got out of the sport for a while and, and I came back, most of the drivers that were around weren't there anymore um, or they were getting ready to retire, those kinds of things as well. So I, this year I was like, okay, last year I just watched it, enjoyed it, you know, cheered for Fords and that was about it. This year I said, I got to have a guy that I'm cheering for though. I got to get back to have an A driver. And so I kind of, I looked through and I'm a fan of going for the newbies more so than the, than the established bets. So I'm still going to cheer for, uh, the Loganos, and I'm still going to cheer for Blaney, who's you know who won the championship. But I don't like picking the guy who just won it all to be the guy that I'm cheering for. It it sounds too bandwagon, so it is bandwagon. So I stay away from that. Um, so I decided this year I'm just going all in on Josh Berry, um, listening to the Dale Junior download for the last couple of years, and kind of hearing his story, knowing his story coming up through. Now he's taken over for students the Stuart Haas four car. And I was like, okay, I can get behind that. He's not necessarily young, but he's uh, but he's he's new now as a full time driver. And so I'm cheering for Josh Berry this year, um, mainly. And I'm gonna cheer for all the Fords. There's 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 really not any Ford drivers that I don't like. Uh, you know, there there are guys that I'm not super pumped about, but but at the end of the day, I'm cheering for a Ford to win. Josh Berry's the guy I'm gonna go for. But for me, it was manufacturer was really really important. Now Chris uh, comments on here. That he's an Elliott driver, um, and uh, but he said he followed his dad, the Red Everham uh, nine uh, with Casey Kane, and so that's the number that he's following, uh, which is a, which is another perspective of it too, because the numbers do change or the drivers change in those numbers. Um, you know, I will say this: I've cheered for one Chevy driver in my life, and it was Junior, and it was when he got when he was no longer with Bud. So I grew up in a really conservative home. Um, and, uh, and, and so I couldn't cheer for a bud driver, but as soon as he wasn't with bud anymore, then it was like, okay. And then he went national guard mountain dew. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm all in now. And, uh, and was able to openly cheer for junior at that point in time. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, that's, that's the way that I came around at the very least from there. I do want to answer another question real quick that came in on YouTube. Uh, and that was the race they should definitely watch. If you don't know anything about NASCAR. Um, you're going to watch one race. Um, what would it be? First of Daytona. all, I mean, it's 500. It's That's so the one. <laughs> it's so tough to say because on, on that point, 
it is the Super Bowl of racing. Compared to other sports, we hold our biggest race at the start of the season to kick it off. And it's it, it rarely disappoints. But if you want a good driving track, Darlington. If you want a good short track, Bristol Night Race. Yes. It, it's it's so tough to pick one and say, if you can watch this race, you'll be a fan forever. I don't know. But for me, it was Daytona. <laughs> it did it for me too that was the first race i ever watched flag to flag and it was you know daytona has its perks bristol night i think bristol night race i'm glad they're off of dirt this year yes bristol night has their has its oh, every race brings it's something different you could go to the daytona 500 and then have a completely different experience at the indy 500 i mean two different series but the the spectacle of it all the hype of it all I, i'm a big Again, I'm big in history. I love the history of the sport. So the Southern 500 to me is just as important as the Daytona 500. Not as talked about because they took away the throwback weekend and now it's just the Southern 500, which is fine in itself. But man, I mean, ah, that's such a tough question. And that's a, I, I saw that question from Cold Iron 0727 and I was, oh no, how do I answer this? Because of course you're going to say Daytona. Watch the first race of the year, and if you're not hooked at that point, I don't know what to tell you. But don't sleep there. I mean, Darlington's always a good race. Bristol night race. If you're a road course guy, watch the Roval, watch the Noma, watch Watkins Glen. If you like the cookie cutter tracks, well, then the Coca-Cola 600. If that's going to be your first race of the year and you can survive that, um, you can watch any other race and be fine. Yeah, It's so tough to say because every track brings something different as far as historical the big races, the 500, the 600, the Daytona 500. It's tough to say. What, what, I mean, what would you say, Vance? I mean, because I, I couldn't, I can't answer that question. I mean, I immediately go Bristol night race. Uh, that's yeah. where I go. To me, short tracks are so fun. And then you put it under the lights. Um, the, I mean, just watching on television, the crowd is electric. I mean, you feel it sitting in your, in your house as well. To me, to me, it's a clear cut Bristol night race. And I put Daytona 500 second on the list, but I I love Bristol Night Race, and to this day I loathe my father who was offered tickets to Bristol Night Race, and he said, "Oh, I can't go." And I was already an adult at the time, he said I can't go, so he turned him down. And I said, "Hello, I could have went, um, but he didn't. He didn't take him." So I'm still a little a little upset about that. But uh, that being said, um, I love Bristol Night Race. I think any night race, by the way, if the lights are on. It's just more electric. Um, I love night races. All right, let's move on to uh, some driver news. We got some drivers in new rides. Nobody of, uh, you know, no big seats opened up necessarily um, this offseason. I'm going to run through a number of guys real quick here. Justin Haley takes over the 51 at Colleg Race. Uh, I'm sorry, to Rick Ware Racing from Colleg Racing. Uh, Carson Hostovar jumps in the 77 at Spire. Josh Berry takes over the Harvick's four at Stuart Haas. Noah Gragson comes in at the 10 car at Stuart Haas. John Hunter Nemechek at the 42 of Legacy Motor Club. Um, Kaz Grala, uh, is that how you say his name? I always, I'm always yeah, afraid. Okay. Uh, Kaz Grala, uh, he's going to run 25 races in the 15 car at Rick Ware. Josh Williams just signed up for partial season uh, at the, at Colleague at the 16. Shane Van Gisbergen. Uh, is going to run seven races at Trackhouse. Zane Smith is the 77 Inspire. And Daniel Hemrick, 31 at Colleague. There will be other guys who run partial, um, you know, a few races throughout the season at different places as well. 
Um, but is there a guy uh, that's that's in a new ride this year that you're super excited to see how it turns out, Matt? I, I think the Daniel Hemrick in the Cola car, I don't think he should have left. I, well, I think Richard Childers racing in the 2019 season made a big mistake in letting him go and not develop. But, of course, he did better. I mean, he did better than Austin Dillon did. Austin Dillon got to kept his ride. It's nice to have a grandfather in the back pocket. I can't stand Austin Dillon. If you're talking about drivers you like, you talk about drivers you don't like, Austin Dillon's at the top of the list for me right there. Piggybacking <laughs> okay. off his, oh, look, I'm I'm grandson of Richard Childress. Oh, now I get to wreck everything and still have a ride for next season. Give me a break. Daniel Hemmer got screwed out of Richard Childress. I think he's going to do well in the college car. The college racing's just doing nothing but advancing right there. But what I will say is I have my eyes on, and I think everybody has their eyes on in the sport as far as fans and drivers and everybody in the industry. Josh Berry to the four and Noah Gregson to the 10, uh, which used to be held by Eric Amarola. Stuart Haas didn't do well at all last year. Not at all. And now everybody's like, are these guys going to turn it around? I doubt it. I really doubt it. Stuart Haas is rebuilding, restructuring. I don't think you're going to see Josh Berry or Noah Grayson get shot out of cannon and go to the front. And they might surprise me. Maybe they made some changes in the offseason within the ins- within that team. But then I look at Carson Osovar, one of those drivers who nobody, you either love him or hate him, but he's coming into a Spire car, which isn't necessarily competitive, but he's got a shot. The Josh Williams, everybody knows him from last year parking in front of the start finish line in Atlanta, just walking away from the car. And that's how he got notoriety. Sometimes bad publicity is good publicity when you're a driver. Colleague racing again with Josh Williams. I think he's going to shine a little, but he's not going to go up to the front right there. I think he's got to develop some SV SVG Shane Van Ginsburg right there coming out swinging as perfect one batting a perfect 100 in NASCAR. What? No, he's, he won his first race, but he, he didn't do so well in the second race. He finished, I think, outside the top 10. But now he's got that level of, oh, you can win. Mm-hmm. He's got that expectation. And with track house racing, he's going to do well. All those guys I, I'm looking forward to seeing. But again, I'm not I'm not putting my I'm not put betting the farm on Josh Berry or Noah Grayson there at Stuart Haas Racing. They need to take yeah, they they they're gonna develop a little, but it's definitely gonna we're definitely going to see with those guys. All right, Caleb, about how about you with these uh, drivers and new rides? Um, like I said, it's not none of the big rides necessarily. Stuart Haas probably the biggest of those, but um, nonetheless, get to see some new faces and some of these numbers. Oh, for sure. Uh, before I give on the people that I'm excited for, um, I'm going to miss seeing AJ Allmendinger in the in the 16 for sure. Um, but Names I'm excited for, uh, Nemechek, I think that's going to be fun. Legacy might have a, a, car, a, a car worth watching this year. That, that'll be, that'd be great. Um, Hosovar, I think it's going to be interesting to see how he kind of bridges that gap and um, takes on a new kind of ride and a new kind of system. I mean, uh, Truck Series is vastly different than, uh, than the Cup Series. So we'll see how that goes for sure. Um, but... Yeah, those yep. are the main two. Uh, Nemechek and, and Hosovar for sure have my have my attention. All right, let's get into some prediction time. Then we're we're coming up on an hour of the program. So um, drivers that you think are legit contenders for this year, I've got six of them um, that I think are legit 
possible champions, not, uh, you know, not a sneak in there kind of guy, but a, drivers that we say, yeah, these guys are legit contenders. Um, Matt, uh, I'll let you start with this one. Who do you think are the contenders this year? I agree with your list, but I'm going to add a few. Okay. Brad Kozlowski, he has turned our, that Roush organization and now Roush Fenway Kozlowski organization around in the couple of years that he's been behind hands-on with that team. I think you can count him out. I don't think you can count out a Ross Chastain who in, in that whole track house organization that's coming up and, 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 sh- and flexing their muscles to the point where they can hang with these guys, the powerhouses of the Hendrick and the Gibbs and, and Penske and show these guys a, a thing or two. Now I will say this, uh, just looking at the list here, Christopher Bell, I, I he can be a contender, but I think more so it's going to be Denny Hamlin Truex right there. The vets of the, uh, organization right there bell's going to have his chance but bell bell's a contender but i don't think but i think one person you're keeping out is a 23 11 guys tyler reddick had a great season last year yeah 23 11 in general had a great season last year as well i think maybe 23 11 likes a tyler reddick bubba wallace might be in the in the talks of being around for phoenix for the final four we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that but i think I think you have a solid list right there, but I so think my, the big to one clarify. Big, my yeah. list is William Byron, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, Joey Logano, Christopher Bell, Denny Hamlin. Those I, are the I, six guys that I list as contenders. I just think we're missing that seventh in Kozlowski. Okay. Because Kozlowski racing has had a great season. Yeah. Him and Busher. Busher, yeah. Great. Did great. I mean, Kozlowski didn't win any races last year, but he was right there pushing Busher. Yeah. Especially around those tracks, I, I think you can't count out the RFK guys. Okay, Caleb, contenders. Caleb, your contenders this year. Um, so your list obviously is 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 the standard list of guys that you expect to be there at the end, like you said, Byron, Larson, Blaney, Logano, Bell, Hamlin. Um, people, I would add Kyle Busch. Um, I expect him to keep on rolling and hopefully improve on his year at RCR uh, from last year. Um, Chase Elliott, um, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes back from the broken leg injury, but Elliott, he's won it before. I think if you win it, uh, you, you can't count yourself out of it. That's a hard championship to win. It's hard to maintain consistency over the course of a year. And Elliott, he's, he's, he wasn't a one, a one-time thing. He came back and I believe he was in a championship for one of the years since he, since he won in 2020. I, my, my memory might be a little fuzzy, but I think he was there. At least he was in contention for it. Um, so yeah, those would probably be the two that I would add Kyle Bush and, um, and Chase Elliott. Although I do like uh, adding the RFK guys, Busher more so than Keselowski. Keselowski's got a little, uh, a little bit ground to gain. I've been informed he hasn't won since 2021. It's been a couple of years. He needs to get back in victory lane. If he wants, uh, somebody like me who hasn't seen him win yet to really take him seriously like that yeah. so those would be those would be the guys that that i would add elliot bush busher yeah i put all those guys in the next tier down the bush keselowski uh busher included i i considered busher for my list um actually also um and elliot i put them all on that just just that next tier they're right there you know definitely playoff guys um uh championship contenders i i, I need to see more from them and the reason why i put bell in is because i feel like bell gets disrespected 
Uh, he like, does. He really he's does. In the final four the last two years. I, I, I agree. I don't look at Christopher Bell and go, yeah, he's one of the greats. Um, but that being said, he's kind of like one of those guys. You just, you got to look at the stats and say, well, he's there though. And, uh, and at some point he's got to get some respect from somebody. I don't know what people respect him, but, um, uh, and he's got time for sure as well. Let's talk about dark horse drivers though. Guys that you think might be able to sneak, sneak in and take one this year. Uh, maybe not these guys at the top of the list, but guys that are good enough to definitely be there at the end. Uh, Caleb, let's start with you for the dark horse drivers. I'm going to assume you didn't pick me because my guy is on your list for dark horses. <laughs> uh, Bowman, for sure, get that bounce back. Again, I don't I don't know how great of a driver he is. I, I mean, he's fourth at Hendrick. It, it, it's clear at this point. Um, he's not the greatest driver in the world. Uh, some teams, he might be second best. Um, but... No, Hendrick is a loaded group, and Bowman Bowman's the fourth. He's not going to command a lot of attention unless he absolutely rips one like he did in 2021 with, I believe, four wins in that season. Um, I'd love to see him deep in that playoff. I'm not sure he'd get there. I'm going to throw Ty Gibbs in that little uh, circle there. I expect I wrote that I expect him to win multiple times this year. I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to be a real player in the playoffs to advance out of the round of 16. Um, as far as other dark horses, uh, I think people can still be sleeping on bubble Wallace a little bit. He's one of the more polarizing drivers, obviously. Um, he's going to have a lot of attention around him. Uh, but I think his driving can be underrated. I think he's got to get back in victory lane this year. And when he does, he's going to be a player in, in the playoffs, just like everybody else. But probably, probably Bowman and Gibbs would be the bad guys that I'm like pushing. Hey, don't, don't sleep on these guys. Yeah, and I've got Bowman on my list because he is at Hendrick. If he wasn't at Hendrick, I don't know that I'd have him there. Um, but when you're just when you're in the best equipment, you always have a chance. And he's a good enough driver to to yeah. win races. We he's shown that he can be a capable driver that can win in in big moments, even if he gets some luck on the way. Uh, plenty yeah. of drivers get luck on the way. So no, we'll we'll see how how this season goes for him. I'm hoping because last year, as a first year fan, it was it was tough to to stomach. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt, give me your dark horse drivers. All right, dark horse drivers. I'd have to go back to what I said before. I think the 2311 drivers of Bubba Wallace and Tyler Reddick are going to be up there. Don't count out the track house guys and Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain, but mm -hmm. also don't count out that driver in the 54. And I know I talked dog on Austin Dillon for this, but Ty <laughs> Gibbs, you know, he, he knows how to drive. Yeah, Ty Gibbs is much more talented than uh than Austin oh, Dillon. Absolutely. Yeah. So don't count out those five drivers to be a dark horse to throw a wrench in the rest of the contenders' goals of winning a championship. Yeah, yeah. I, Tyler Reddick. I mean, I think he's he's maybe doesn't even qualify as a dark horse, but I have him as a dark horse also. Um, yeah, I think I think there's really special things ahead for him. Um, he doesn't get the same attention that Bubba Wallace gets. Um, but he's, he's definitely as good a driver, I think a better driver and, uh, it can definitely do some damage. I already mentioned Bowman and then I put in the, the Stuart Haas team, um, you know, Briscoe, probably the most likely out of the four, but again, I don't feel good when Briscoe's my number one driver, right? I can understand that. I can understand that for sure. But I look at this team and I go, okay, Tony Stewart knows how bad it was for them last year. They, they're not hiding behind the fact. They're not going, no, it wasn't as bad as you're making it sound. They're not arguing with people about it. They're like, no, we were horrible, and, and we have to get better. So I, I put a little bit of trust in that, saying, okay, 
maybe the work that they're doing or the work they continue to do throughout the season, all you got to do is win one race to make the playoffs. And then after that, it's it's make your run in the playoffs. So I, I just put the Haas team, Briscoe, Priest, Barry, Gregson. I think I think Briscoe, again, the most likely out of that group. Good enough to get lucky, yeah. Yes. Yeah, all you got to do is win one and then, and then be consistent after that, uh, consistent enough to get up to the top in the playoffs. So, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm so excited for this season. Let's close it out with rookies though. Three rookie drivers that are being talked about as rookie of the year contenders, Zane Smith, Carson Hosovar, and Josh Berry, um, all in different places. Uh, Smith at Spire, Hosovar is at, well, they're both at Spire. And then, and then Barry, of course, at Stuart Haas. Um, I feel like each of these guys could be top 20 guys this year, have that potential. Um, to be consistently up in that that range, uh, 16 to 20 maybe, uh, which would be a phenomenal year. I think all those people would be happy to end at that point this year. Um, but uh, Matt, let's start with you, rookie. Rookie, these rookie guys. What do you expect out of them? You know, I expect them to learn a lot. I know Josh Berry has some experience when Chase Elliott was out of the car last year of racing in the Cup Series, so he knows the cars, he knows how to drive them. And he, let's face it, he's a good driver. I think he's the favorite to win rookie of the year. But unfortunately, I feel like in the past number of years, that rookie of the year doesn't really amount to a lot of fanfare like it used to, like the Ray Bestest rookie of the year, or who's the best rookie coming in. It's just kind of lost its luster. But if I could bring it back, and if anybody could bring it back, I think it would be Josh Berry. Nice. Caleb, your thoughts? Um, yeah, Barry obviously has the advantage of racing in the Cup Series for a, a, a long stint last year, filling in for Elliott and then Bowman and then a little brief stint in the 42 car when Gregson got suspended. Um, but yeah, so he has the advantage, but I like I like Josefar's talent. I like what he brings as long as he can stay out of trouble. I mean, he got a lot out of that 42 car at that Talladega race. I believe that was him in that 42 car. Um, so I. I would, I would, uh, I would like to see what what he what he's capable of. Hostovar has the potential to draw the most attention, um, for sure. Uh, Barry has not only the benefit of the experience, but he also has the benefit of being tied to Dale Jr. Um, and he, now being tied to Tony Stewart, like he's he's got a little extra boost just because of that. You look at guys like Chase Elliott. You look at guys like Junior back in the day, who those two guys have been the most popular drivers for how long? They haven't been the most winningest drivers, but they've been the most popular drivers. Um, having publicity helps a lot, um, and it gets you more money from your sponsors, and, and which gives you better stuff in your car all at the same time. So uh, Barry does have the advantage uh, for sure in this group, but I think Hosevar, he's got that potential to be able to, to get that publicity on his own a little bit and draw some attention to himself, which could be, uh, you know, for good or bad, it's going to help him at this point in his career um, either way. So. We're here, man. Race season. Uh, the clash is about to take off in about 50 minutes uh, in L.A. Um, if you could relocate the clash, where do where do we move it to? Uh, Caleb, I, I didn't put this on the list, so I didn't prepare you guys for this question. But um, if, if you say, hey, we're going to move it to another town, uh, where are you moving the clash to? I've seen um, if they're going to put it in a stadium. I've seen uh, Hard Rock Stadium at Miami thrown out there. Hmm. That, that could be interesting if you wanted to do a weird kind of Daytona road course. Uh, Miami has been no, has has uh, hosted F1. You could yeah. try out that course there. Uh, but God, I, I don't know. I don't I don't love the clash altogether. I would just kind of get rid of it. 
<laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, other than sending it back to Daytona, or is that what, oh, is that what your answer is? Okay, well, darn it. You took away my whole speech there. You took the wind right out of my cells there. Okay. If I had to pick any place to do the class, oh, man, you took away Daytona, man. Okay. Yeah, that's, you're allowed to say that. It's it's fine. Well, now, now, now I feel obligated not to say it. That's the problem. <laughs> if I had to pick a place other than Daytona, if I don't, I don't want to keep it in a stadium. It doesn't need to be in a stadium. Put it at an established racetrack. Bring it back to, I don't know, put it up in Charlotte. Hmm. But I mean, my heart's right there at Daytona. That's the kickoff of Speed Weeks. Keep it at Daytona. Bring Speed Weeks all back together and make it an, uh, an event again. Because after the 24 hours of Daytona, then you have NASCAR in the speed weeks and, and you have that which is way a lot of cars on track and a lot of action instead of the logistics of going to the west coast and then back yeah the east coast i mean just keep it at daytona i mean okay i'm just gonna say daytona back <laughs> it's, gotta, it's gotta be warm weather you can't yeah. send it somewhere cold um well so you I, guys don't want to see ice skating at gillette stadium <laughs> No, and, and don't put it on the Daytona road course. They tried that a couple of years ago. Don't put it on the road course at Daytona. Keep it on the oval at Daytona, past pole winners, past champions, and past winners of the event. Keep it like that. I was thinking about places like New Orleans, uh, Tuscaloosa, uh, or even Neyland Stadium, if you're going to do stadium stuff, uh, big college stadiums where you can go in, and uh, you've already got racing near Knoxville, near Tuscaloosa, but it would just be something a little different if they wanted to keep it in a stadium and, and kind of draw in some history along with it, not racing history, but history. Nonetheless, uh, there's some fun places you could do it. And I think, I think it needs to be closer to Florida, if not in Florida, because of, especially with the, all they're trying to do to cut costs right now. <laughs> yeah. Let's drive everybody out to LA and then make them drive all the way back down to Florida. A million dollar racetrack every year and then tear it down. That's right. smart NASCAR. Good job. <laughs> well, they just signed a big deal, so they got some money to do it, but uh, yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Okay, it's fiscally irresponsible. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, listen, we are excited about the NASCAR season. Daytona 500 is, is on the 18th, uh, barring rain. Uh, <laughs> so that's what the, the goal is, at the very least. The clash, of course, uh, here tonight in about 45 minutes from now in L.A. Um, and I'm just amped for it, man. I'm so ready for race season to be here. Like when football ended, uh, it's not officially over, but it's basically over. I immediately turned my attention to baseball and racing, and and uh, and I'm just so excited for both of those sports to be here and rolling uh, on my TV and radio. Yes, that's still a thing um, as well. Um, all right, let's talk about some of uh, some personal things. Caleb, we're going to start with you. Of course, you are a NASCAR columnist at Belly Up Sports. Uh, so talk to the folks about what's on the, the plan for any upcoming articles or anything that you recently published as well. Yeah, so uh, obviously I wrote two articles last week. I wrote uh, the season predictions, and I wrote uh, drivers, five drivers that uh, have something to prove in, in 2024. So go check those out for sure, and then go yell at me if you hate them. Um, as far as things coming up, I mean, every week you have the previews. Uh, hopefully I can be a little more accurate than I was last year in year one where I was just like, okay, well I'm learning as we go here. Um, but uh, that, that season went all right. Obviously if we're going uh, not NASCAR related, I do have my Patriots podcast, the Foxborough B cast sponsored by belly up sports. Go check that out. We'll have our super bowl show coming up. That'll be fun. And then I can take a long break from talking about Patriots football because God, 
that was a bad year. <laughs> uh, so all his articles are on bellyupsports.com. And uh, you can get you on Twitter at Caleb MC. That's M like E-M-C. E-M-C-E-E, like the MC of an event. There you go, at Caleb MC on Twitter. All right, Matt, uh, you're getting ready to kick off a new season at Ramblin' About Race. And tell the folks about the podcast and where they can find it at. Yeah, we're about to kick off season six here. It has been delayed a, a week because we're trying to get last-minute stuff in order for me and my co-host Preston. About Yeah, about to kick off season six. Very excited about it. Talking to a lot of drivers out there. We love talking to drivers. We love getting their story. We just can't wait for this to start up and go it. And we're actually in conjunction with another podcast. I think they're with Belly Up, but I'm not sure. I think you guys got, I think we got something with them. A podcast called Blind Spotting NASCAR Podcast. So, and we do it every other week. We're now down to instead of every month, every week, we do it every other week. But like, say, Blind Spotting Podcast would preview the Daytona 500 or a race. So let's just say Daytona. They'll preview Daytona. The following week, we'll review it and preview Las Vegas. And then they'll review Las Vegas and preview the next race and so on and so forth. So it's kind of a tennis match. And they're good guys up there at Mooresville, North Carolina. Go give them a listen to as well. But, yeah, you can find us on all major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, you name it, we're on there. We're also on YouTube, although we haven't been on YouTube a lot lately because I've had this project truck behind me for the past nine months and finally getting it rolling and then getting the truck out. So we should be back at YouTube here very shortly. But, you, oh, you can find us on all social media platforms, the, the Facebooks, the Xs, I guess now, instead of Twitter. Instagram, and of course, YouTube, where you can check out our video podcast. Come check us out. We, we'd like to talk about it, and I feel like you can listen to the Dale Juniors, and, and they're great shows, the Dale Juniors, Denny Hamlins, but if you want to feel the real temperature of the sport, listen to the fan podcast, the blind spotting, the rambling about racing, the everybody out there who isn't up there with the Dale Jr. status, but also doesn't have a foot in the industry. Right. They're out from the outside looking in, and and telling you what exactly they see. So, yeah, check us out. We're always interested in talking to people. Follow us, interact with us, and we're definitely on social media during the races. So come check us out. Yeah, so you met, you hit it perfectly. You got to get different perspectives. Um, and so rambling about racing is on my my list of podcasts I listen to throughout the week. I have an outside job where I'm walking around. I can put earbuds in. And I listen to podcasts all day long. And uh, so you get the the insight from the juniors and the Hamlins. Um, and then you go to the fan perspective of it, and you get a, a whole different perspective. It's great to see, great to hear. Um, and like I said, I'm a listener of the Rambling About Racing podcast. And they talk about more than just NASCAR, by the way. You, you guys uh, spread out to, to all kinds of racing. Oh, yeah. We, we talk about Formula One. In fact, a big piece of Formula One news. I'm sure all race fans, if you're not from, you know, if you don't know about it, Lewis Hamilton signing with Ferrari. He's getting off to Titanic. He's getting off that Mercedes Titanic before it sinks. It's, it's already hit the iceberg. He's taking the lifeboat out in, in the form of Ferrari. So check us out. We're, again, we're starting this week in season six. Preston and I will be starting it, and you'll hear all of his opinions. He's the, he's the Formula One guy. I'm the NASCAR guy. He likes NASCAR. I like Formula One. We like talking about it. We try to get into Indy, but they run too many road courses for my liking. <laughs> I want them on more oval tracks. But Indy, I appreciate what they do. So, yeah, we try to talk about every major form of motorsports, not just NASCAR, Formula One as well, which we're really proud of. And so I host the Sports Dope podcast. Uh, we're every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time on uh, YouTube and then all the audio platforms as well. 
Um, and this season, throughout the 224 season, we're going to be doing a NASCAR segment every single uh, Wednesday night. It'll be the final segment of our show each night, and we're going to recap, preview, and uh, share different thoughts. And then I'm also writing uh, periodically on BellyUpSports.com, Diary of a Revived NASCAR Fan, kind of just going through my process of coming back to the sport. And uh, so I've had two of those entries are already on the website, and the third one will be coming out this week um, after the clash and uh, continue just to talk about NASCAR through through writing and through the podcast. I cover all the major sports on Wednesday nights. Uh, my dad joins me on that show, and, uh, and we're going to have guests on for the NASCAR segment. Uh, hopefully, Chris Prince will be our first guest of the year, uh, the head of Belly Up Sports Racing, um, who was planning to be here tonight but couldn't couldn't. I was unable to tonight, but uh, anyways, so tune in every Wednesday night to the Sports Stove Podcast. We also do a fantasy baseball show every Sunday night and a, a local hour on Monday nights covering Eastern Kentucky University sports with players and coaches that come on and chat throughout that program as well. There's tons of stuff going on at Belly Up. Uh, check out the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Uh, lots of podcasts on there right now covering everything from local sports to national sports to um, soccer, if that counts as a sport, uh, baseball, basketball, football, everything's there, um, including NASCAR stuff as well, of course. And uh, and then on the, the website, tons of articles from every sport, fantasy sports as well included. And then don't forget about SeatGeek. Uh, if you go to SeatGeek.com and you use the code uh, BellyUpSports, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. And uh, you can do that whenever you want, whenever seat you're trying to go get, you need to go book it at SeatGeek.com. All right, guys, race season is here. As our old friend used to say, let's go racing, boys. So uh, booty, booty, booty. <laughs> Caleb right. McChesney uh, from BellyUpSports.com. Matt Beamer from Rambling About Racing. I've been Stover from the Sports Stove Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Belly Up Sports NASCAR Super Show. Stay tuned to Belly Up Media, by the way. Lots of more Super Shows coming your way. Super Bowl and uh, Draft and all kinds of other stuff coming up down the pipe. So make sure you subscribe. Uh, if you're watching us right now. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Hey, let's have a good race season. Yeah, be safe out there.